Welcome to Humans of CX, a podcast powered by OzoneTel. We share the latest insights in customer experience from industry experts to help you humanize your approach, placing empathy at the center of the customer experience. I'm your host, Todd Vecca. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Humans of CX. I'm your host, Todd Vecca. And today I am honored to be joined by our guest, Tu Sotrup. Tu is the Vice President of Customer Excellence at Dixa and a founding member of the European Customer Experience Organization. Today, we're going to be talking about agent happiness. Tu, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and why this is important to you? Of course I can. And thank you, Todd, for inviting me to this podcast. I have been working with customer service for more than 20 years. I've uh, worked in uh, different places, both as an agent and as a manager. And right now I'm working at Dixa, which is a customer engagement platform. And through that journey, I've learned a lot. I worked a long time ago at a mobile phone company, and it was very clear at that time that everybody was basically selling the same. It was just in different wrapping. And at that company, they focused a lot on customer experience because even 20 years ago, that it was a competitive advantage to deliver a really good experience. Unfortunately, it was also a very competitive market, so focusing a lot of customer ser- on customer service actually wasn't viable for them, and they ended up folding. Since that, I've worked at a credit card company where I learned that the customer is always right to be understood. You cannot always accommodate their needs, but it's really important to listen to them and understand them, and then you can also always take it from there. Very good. So I love this topic because I started about 25 years ago as an agent on the phone. And back then, there weren't a lot of rules. It was, I feel like it was a lot of yelling in a room, a crowded room. Obviously, things have changed. You believe that software can empower customers and business. Can you elaborate on maybe some of the tools that we have today that, that are helping? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important that you don't treat your customers as tickets. We're working very hard to create relationships between brands and customers, just like they were friends. And part of that is the system that you use where you need to ensure that you know what the customer contacted you about before on the same or other channels. You know who the customer is and also how to solve the customer's issue. And technology can help a very long way to provide that information for the agents. Yeah, very good. And how else do you think that space has changed over the years? Maybe not just with technology, but with what we've learned as people, processes, lessons learned, so forth. I think if you go back five, 10 years ago, you didn't really correlate the value of CX compared to actually business outcomes. It was very much seen as a cost center. And you didn't understand that it was a key differentiator in the market. That's not how it is now. I would say that on the back of the COVID pandemic and also the current economic climate, brands are really realizing that to be successful, you need to consistently meet or even exceed your customers' expectations on every single interaction. And that is definitely a change from where we were just five years ago. Yeah, I agree. We talk about the pandemic a lot, obviously, because it's relevant in our space. And more than ever before, our work and our home are, for the most part, the same place, right? At least more than, you know, as you said, four or five years ago. Why do we need to care about the agent's happiness as they're now working from home instead of maybe we used to see them every day, we used to be able to go maybe pat them on the back or talk to them one-to-one. Now we do this over technology and over tools like you and I are using. 
We have to remember that agents are the face of your company. They are the ones that your customers interact with. And they often spend eight hours a day communicating with customers across different channels. And to give them the right tools is vital here, to give them the right environment, to give them the right knowledge. That is necessary to both retain them longer, but also to support them in their ability to create a good experience for the customers that they're helping. Sure, sure. And so technology obviously is changing rapidly. It always has, it it always will be. Does that always equate to a great customer experience? Unfortunately not. No, we've seen a lot of examples. And again, when everybody was sent home, it was difficult for brands to pivot and they quickly jumped to more deflection-based services. That could be chatbots, it could be self-service, it could be limited phone support. And when you do that, quickly and don't design it in the best possible way, it quite often results in an inferior customer experience. I think we've all had our conversations with chatbots where the bot has failed and you couldn't get a hold of a human and that wasn't a very good experience. We've also sent an email and then we got an automated answer on something completely different than what our request was about. So technology can also be used to actually disappoint the customer because you are not meeting their expectations. Absolutely. And and we kind of talk a lot and take that a step further with certain demographics, right? And and this may change as we go. For example, somebody my mother's age, she'll use a phone number because that's what she's done her whole life. And maybe she'll wait on hold for longer than she wants to. Maybe it'll be a good experience. Maybe it'll be a bad experience. Someone my daughter's age, she has no problem getting on Twitter and just saying, hey, I just had a bad experience. Fix it. In two minutes, somebody hopefully is getting back to her with at least a response. Have you kind of seen that in your business as well, that demographics and generation might change the types of channels we want to interact with? Yeah, definitely. Uh, We see a shift towards more social media, more conversation-based conversations where it's WhatsApp, it's on Facebook Messenger, it's on Twitter. Of course, it's related to the demographic, but it's also about where the customer is at that point in time, because of course, they don't think in channels. They think in context. So if it's something that's urgent, they will probably call up. If it's some, if they're browsing a website and they need help with a purchase or information about a specific item, they will start a chat. And if it's Sunday evening and they just want an, so they will just send an email or fill out a contact form. And are they standing in the queue in the supermarket? They will probably go on social media and expect a response really quickly. And of course, as you mentioned, the younger generation, they expect to get an answer on social media immediately, where the older generation, they are more familiar with just calling up and getting a response to the conversation immediately. And I don't even know if your daughter would call up a brand if she had a bad experience. I don't think I could pay her to actually call a phone number. She doesn't call me back. Like I could get her to text instantly. I can get her to tweet. I can get her to do anything quick, but I don't know if she knows how to dial the phone number to be honest with anymore. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing, but there definitely are some differences. How do you define agent happiness? Through both my own personal experience and what I've seen at uh, my job in the role that I've been with Adixa, I was brought in quite early to help translate what the developers could build into something that customers actually wanted. So I've been fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with prospects and customers and agents and observe how they work, what are the different challenges that they have. And then I've tried to go on back to our product and help build those features in the right way. And through that, I've kind of found these three pillars that are required. 
Of course, there need to be a foundation, like the underlying system that helps them. But on top of that, there are three pillars that are necessary for agents. The first pillar is to know why the customer is contacting you and also what they have contacted you about before on the same or other channels. The second pillar is knowing who the customer is. And here, it's necessary to pull in information from the backend system so you know what segment are they in, what was their last order, how much money have they spent, anything that you can do to allow the agents to provide a personal personalized experience and especially important to do it at scale. And then the third pillar is to know how to solve the customer's issue. And here you can work with non-standard service where you ensure the right support articles are shown to the agents. They can create articles, they can interact with articles and flag them or improve them. And when you have those three pillars in place, you have the why, you have the who, and you have the how, then the agent can focus on just delivering good experiences. I love that. It's a great answer. And you've been known as saying happy agents make happy customers. Explain that. I mean, so it sounds obvious to me, but maybe not to our viewers or our audience, like what that really means and how important that trickle down is. It goes back to what we talked about previously, that we haven't really understood the relationship between delivering a good CX and business outcomes. As we are starting to realize that, we also need to start with the agents that are talking to customers. We need to give them the right foundation to be able to help customers because if they are happy, if removing a lot of the friction that they had before, we are making it enjoyable for them to actually help customers. That is actually contagious. And when you have happy agents, they result in happy customers and happy customers result in a happy organization and ultimately in happy shareholders. And I guess that's why most of us are doing whatever it is that we do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So another thing that comes up quite a bit is if we really want to change things in this space and change the world in this space, a lot of times it starts with the leadership of companies, right? Because it just kind of flows from there. But don't always think that agent happiness is number one on either shareholders lists or executives lists, right? Maybe it's somewhere, hopefully it's somewhere that they think about, but how do we really change a culture if this isn't something that other than maybe people like you and me think about it, because we like to think that we're thought leaders in this space. But if a company wants to change their culture, how do we kind of start and evangelize that? It definitely has to start from the top. Like it has to come from the CEO and down. Usually it does come from the bottom up because the frontline agents know that when they create a good experience, they end up with a happy customer and happy customers buy more, they come back more often, they also tell their friends about it. So there is a compound effect there. But if it doesn't have the buy-in from the organization and C-level, it's not going to be a success. Fortunately, I do see a significant shift in the market because of the current economic climate, there is record high inflation both in Europe and in the US, then brands are moving a bit away from focusing on just growing their annual recurring revenue and instead of focusing on their net revenue retention. And that is all about retaining and growing your customer base because it's both difficult and expensive to get new customers. And as soon as you see something like this, that has a direct impact on the bottom line for businesses, then it moves into the boardroom and it moves up to the C-level. Yeah, and I love that you said it comes from the bottom up because I don't know if this trend or this maybe buzzword is in your area, but this whole notion of quiet quitting or silent quitting, I think agents, and, and it's not just agents, it's a lot of positions are basically saying, hey, if I'm unhappy, why am I gonna give 100%, right? If my company doesn't care about me, 
why do I need to wake up in the morning and care about the customer? So I think it's really, really important to address this at the top. Or I think it's going to kind of take care of itself. And we've kind of seen that with churn and attrition. The other thing that you said is, I like your phrase, frontline workers. So you equate agents as frontline workers. Tell me more about that and why that phrase is important. Yeah. Firstly, I hate the term agents because it's very impersonal. But I think that actually comes from the technology. You add an agent to whatever platform and they are called agent and you have an agent license cost. But they are the frontline worker because they are the ones that are interacting with your customers. They are the face to the outside world. And they are also a very, very important listening station. Because if you want to know what your customers are dealing with, then you need to walk into your customer service department and listen to calls or ask the people in that department, what are customers saying? What are they unhappy about? What do they like? That can be a bit more difficult because very rarely would a customer call you up and say, I ordered something and it arrived in mint condition on time. Thank you. They usually uh, call up when something has gone wrong, but that also is an opportunity to either improve your product, your process, or your procedures. Yeah, absolutely. So every week on the show, we try to find a statistic to kind of talk about. And this week, the statistic that we found is 58% of agents, that there's turnover today for that frontline position. So we already talked about the trickle down and how that leads to customer experience, poor customer experience. But why should that stat be shocking to people that are maybe either hiring or supervising or looking at KPIs related to that frontline worker? Because that kind of blew me away. Sometimes I have to look at these stats and say, like, are we sure we got that one right? Yeah. If the average rate of agent turnover is 58% year over year, then it has a significant impact on CX. Because to be a really good agent or frontline worker, you need to have the right knowledge and that takes time to collect. It also, you need to learn the culture of the company that you're working for. You need to be able to rely on your colleagues. And if there is a lot of turnover, then that just takes a really long time. In some organizations, it can take weeks or even months to train a new employee. And with very high turnover, you need to do that uh, very, very often because you are unable to keep your employees. So it has a significant impact on CX and ultimately also on the result of the whole organization. Yeah, and this kind of goes along with that question, but I've definitely been on the receiving end of an employee or somebody saying to me, hey, I think I've been set up to fail. I mean, when somebody says that, especially a frontline worker, why should we take that really seriously and not dismiss somebody's thoughts and feelings about their job? It is, of course, their feeling. It's how they they perceive the world that they're in. And I see that very often it's because they haven't been given the right training, they don't have the right tools, and they don't have the right knowledge to help customers. And they also feel that if they experience something or they have insights into what can be improved, then they don't have anywhere to proceed with it. It doesn't matter that they tell their manager that I think we could change this button or we could change this process. They have a feeling that doesn't go anywhere. It's difficult to have their voice heard, even though they are the ones that knows what is going on with the customers. So we also need to be better at listening to the people that are talking to your customers and use that information to improve your product or service. Yeah. And I like to have, at least at at the start, the optimistic view that people wake up in the morning and they want to do a good job. They really do. I mean, very few examples do I think people want to fail, right? They want to do a good job. They want to have the right tools. They're going to be talking to customers all day. They don't want to do the wrong thing. 
But I think the problem lies in, hey, maybe, you know, I've been asking for a new headset for months and I'm just, people aren't listening to me. So I love that you said that we really have to listen because that is the front line. If we're not, just like in any battle, if you're not listening to the folks on the front line, then you're going to be making poor decisions somewhere up the chain. So yeah, that's something I'm pretty passionate about. And there's also an opportunity and when you listen to them, you understand what are the kind of conversations that you have that are not creating value for your agents or for your customers. And then find out how can we eliminate those conversations? Because we do want to talk to our customers because that's how we build both the healthy relationships with them and we increase loyalty and brand awareness. But we need to spend our time wisely and talk to them about the right things. Because as you know, from a lot of surveys, Customers are very reluctant to contact uh, customer service. In some surveys, they would rather go clean a toilet than actually contacting customer service. It has a bad reputation, and we need to change that sentiment. So we want to help agents feel in a situation or position where they are creating value. They're not just a dumb bot answering a question from a customer about when the order will be delivered. No, they are able to advise them on what book to read next or, or what the item of clothing that would match the one that they had just ordered. They need to be the experts that are solving the more time-consuming and critical issues where the easy ones need to be deflected by self-service bots or whatever you can do to actually provide that information automatically to customers. Absolutely. I think sometimes the litmus test for me is if I do have maybe less than than excellent customer service, and if I were to kind of make a comment, when I see somebody doing it right, they take responsibility for it, they fix it. But then I also hear the ones doing it well as, hey, did you know that we do this now? Did you know that we do this? So these could be opportunities for upsells for these companies. So if we empower our frontline workers to be able to be happier they might be creating revenue for us that we don't even know exists by kind of having that attitude. So I think that's pretty important. You, usually we like to ask and, and just kind of take your crystal ball out. What does this space look like over the next five or 10 years? Any predictions, either with technology, people, or process, where do we go from here? I think the changing focus to net revenue retention is something that will definitely see an effect of. And part of that will be organization need to be more proactive in the way that they offer support. And here, I mean, using technology to identify deviations in delivery, for instance, and then telling customers that their order was delayed before they need to reach out. If there is a fault or risk of fault in a certain product, then contact customers and say, we have identified something that might impact the item that you bought, and here is what you need to do if that actually occurs. So we need to be much more proactive and preempt the kind of conversation. So telling customers that we got your back and uh, we will take care of this issue even before they realize it. And then there is no doubt that AI and machine learning will be something that we see grow in the coming years. We have tried, in my opinion, to implement it too fast that have resulted in some bad experiences that we've all had. So we have kind of a little bit of mistrust in it. But I see both AI and machine learning be used to empower agents to go from just being agents to be super agents. And to make it more concrete, that can be based on the message content. We can both make a condensed version of it where what's the intent, what are the keywords. We can also use it to propose 
uh, response. We can use AI to help agents with auto-completion so they can become faster in the way that they write. We can also become a lot better at making all the data that all the different organizations are collecting actionable. It has been historically quite difficult to make sense of all the data that we're collecting. And I think it's an opportunity for the vendor side to be more than a vendor and, and actually a partner that can take all this data and tell organizations what they need to do tomorrow to do better compared to what they did yesterday. There is so much hidden gold in all the data that we're collecting, and there is a huge opportunity to take that data and actually process it and then proactively again tell brands what they need to do different. Yeah, that's great. And one difference that I've seen probably in the last three or four years is I've seen a, a differentiator in some of the KPIs, Some not only some new data that I never saw tracked before, maybe because we couldn't, but I've seen KPIs for what the company tracks, but then another subset of data with what the customer wants. Because I think sometimes we assume that our KPIs are our customer's KPIs, but then when we dig a little deeper and do surveys, it's like, hey, what the customer wants isn't necessarily the KPIs that we're giving bonuses to our executives for. So I think it's important to know the difference in those, those data points as well. That's a really, really important point. And that's also part of the history of especially call centers. We focused on average waiting time and average handling time. None of those actually correlate to a good customer experience. So what is important for a customer when they call up? Like most customers, they would rather wait one minute and have a really good resolution to their issue than wait 10 seconds and have a very bad customer experience. So it's not only about answering quickly or handling the conversation quickly. It's more about ensuring that they have a good experience. So it's the total time to resolution. It's first contact resolution so they don't have to contact the brand multiple times about the same issue. So there's a lot that we can learn here. And I think we need to look at all the different KPIs that we're measuring and then be very honest and see, is this something that actually affects the customer experience when they interact with us? And if it's something that we are measuring internally, for instance, conversations per hour, then it doesn't measure customer experience. Absolutely, absolutely. If you were to go backwards in time now, what advice would you give your younger self if you were just starting out? What is some wisdom or lessons learned? I would tell my younger self to shut up and listen. I love that. I love that. I, I would too, actually, probably a lot. Who in the world do you follow in the world of CX? Anybody that you kind of look to as peer or just kind of bounce ideas off in this space? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, good thought leaders that uh, can bring a lot of value. I enjoy the newsletters and books of Shep Hyken. I know that Colin Shaw has a good book that came out not that long ago. I really love The Experience Maker by Dan Gingis. There is a lot of good books and uh, thought leaders out there that can be inspirational. A couple of books that I can recommend is The Frictionless Organization, Deliver Great Customer Experiences with Less Effort by Bill Price and David Jaffe. And that's really interesting because Bill Price used to be at Amazon, so he has a lot of industry insights that he can actually bring into this. And there's a good framework for both identifying and removing friction. And I have no doubt that when you do that and you have that process within your organization, you end up with happier customers. Absolutely. And you mentioned Shep Hyken. I'm actually talking to him tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. So I'm glad you kind of dropped his name for the future. So we're just about coming up on time here. And again, I really appreciate your thoughts. And this has been really, 
hopefully eye-opening to our subscribers and viewers. What we usually like to end with is, is just maybe your time to shine. What are you working on? What are some things that you're doing either at Dixa or personally, or you kind of have two minutes just to share why we should be following you. And I've been following you for a little while now, but what's going on in your life? I've been fortunate enough since the, the world has opened up a bit to been traveling a little bit and building these personal relationships again. I went to Elevate CX in Denver last week, and next week I'll be going to Support Driven Expo in Las Vegas. Just as with the customers and brands, it is in those meetings, those chance encounters where you meet people and you network, that is something that I find immensely valuable. Let's get back to that. Let's set up more in-person events. And uh, we've been really uh, fatigued with all these different webinars and all the different online events. We need to get out and meet people because, in my opinion, that is where we can really be inspired. Very good. That sounds like a perfect point to leave it. Again, the last 30 minutes, we've been with Tuso Trip, Vice President of Customer Excellence at Dixa and founding member of the European Customer Experience Org. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate having you on. Hope to meet you in person someday. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for listening to Humans of CX, a podcast brought to you by Ozone Tell. If you enjoyed today's show, visit ozontel.com to learn more about how our robust omni-channel communications platform makes it the industry leader within the customer experience space. You can find Humans of CX on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as other platforms that are featuring podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you so much for listening.